Hospital Medical Staff. Attention. A crate full of tuning forks were dropped off this morning with no recipient's name attached. If whomever these belong to would contact me, I will have them delivered on the condition that you let me audition for what I assume is a massive band you're starting. This concludes your announcements. Stay tuned for me playing Van Halen's Jump on my melodica. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And sadly, still no Benjamin Graham. But instead of Benjamin Graham, we have a special guest host. We have our guest, welcome, Steve Jennings. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having us have you, Steve. (laughs) I would let you guys have me anytime. (laughs) And today we are discussing episode 11 of Kingdom Hospital, Seizure Day. And we have CM leading our discussion. CM, take it away. Thanks, Josh. Uh, First, our usual disclaimer, we are recording remotely, so our audio quality is not what it usually is. Steve, I have a couple questions for you before we kick off this episode. I am dying to know, what was your first Stephen King experience? So I knew about Stephen King growing up, obviously, but I didn't read a Stephen King book until my early 20s. I think it was like 2000, well, maybe it was my late teens, 2009, 2010, whenever the book 112263 came out. I read that almost as soon as it came out because I loved the idea of a guy going back in time to stop the JFK assassination. And I loved that book until the ending. And I hated the ending. (laughs) I just recently read that book and I thought it was awesome. Oh God, I hated the ending. (laughs) I couldn't stand it. So I stayed away from King for a while until just a couple years ago when The Outsider came out. And I picked that one up. I was like, I'll give him another shot. So I read that one. And then I read all the Bill Hodges trilogy. And then I've just been reading nonstop King since then. Nice. <laughs> what is your favorite Stephen King moment? I knew you were going to ask me this. And I have no <laughs> idea. Because I can't just say the entire book, Dr. Sleep, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you have to narrow it. Can I give three answers then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I CM this and give oh, three answers? yeah, of course. <laughs> one would be... The courtyard scene from The Outsider, where Terry gets shot. Oh, yeah. Right outside yeah. the courthouse. Another one, the very beginning of Mr. Mercedes, and then the terrible sermon from Revival. Oh. God, the terrible sermon is such yeah. a great yeah. moment. Okay, those are three great answers. Do I have to pick one? You No. Because <laughs> my answer is honestly the entire book, <laughs> Dr. Sleep. That's my favorite moment, from start to finish, that whole book. You do get to advance to the next part of this episode. Great. So last episode was all about Reverend Jesus and Richard's warning that the hospital and everyone in it were in danger from an impending earthquake. Nancy Druce gets closer to solving the mystery of Mary's death, and Mrs. Powell has dinner at the same place every week at precisely 8 p.m. Also, I heard that lady is integrity incarnate. (laughs) From everyone. Yeah. Yes. This episode opens on the crowd still gathered outside the hospital singing gospel. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, gospel is my new rock opera about a gospel hospital (laughs) you know what i'm not gonna take that again it stays (laughs) um and a cop horse is he's responding to the singing the way that i would probably respond to it which is with utter rage i believe you mean a horse cop a horse Not a cop, cop horse. Did I say cop? Uh, a cop horse? <laughs> I, a cop horse is something very different. My note is a cop on a horse. Ah. I got I got tongue tied after the gospel thing. You're off to a strong start today. Yeah. My my note for this one was we open on the T one thousand. Yeah, those sunglasses. Yeah. Well, like you just get that close up shot of this cop, and I, my note just says, "Well, I know this guy's going to be an asshole. Look at those sunglasses." Yep. You don't put sunglasses on <laughs> anybody like that unless they're going to be an asshole. And then he says, while on a horse, stay clear. This is for emergency vehicles only. Since when are horses emergency vehicles? <laughs> when the horses are cops. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. He is weirdly preachy to these people. Yeah, I wrote down a little bit of what he said. I couldn't get all of it because he says a lot. Hit us with the best, Steve. I am the cop, your shepherd. You shall not want to cross that line. I'll make you lie down in mean postures. I'll bust your giddy bop heads and run you down on the path of righteousness. 
Man, biblical language is just so stilted. (laughs) (laughs) And then he proceeds to police brutality all over these peaceful protesters. I mean, worshippers. Topical. Yeah. Yeah. You can't watch this scene and not just be thinking about everything going on right now in our world. Like, all I could do is sit back and go, well, that's timely. (laughs) And then one of the cops later, as they walk after this whole thing, when they're walking with their horses down the street, he says to the other cop, nothing I like better than busting a few heads. Right. It's uh, just assholes. Yeah. Just these two asshole cops. I hope you guys get this reference that I'm about to make. Because we, we have this scene with these cops and then we, we cut back to them later. It's evening and it turns to fire in the sky, which is the most terrifying alien abduction movie <laughs> I've ever seen. I've never even heard of it. I think I've heard of it, I think, from you, but I've never seen it. Yeah, this scene looks very much like when the guy gets abducted by aliens and fire in the sky, and it's terrifying, and that's all I could think about. Like, to me, it wasn't this holy godlight shining down on him. He was about to be abducted, and I thought, okay, now we've had the Jesus scene, now we have the alien scene. I'm all for it. I thought it it was the rapture. Yeah, that makes more sense. I thought the rapture was happening, but I was like, wait, that wouldn't take a cop. I was for sure that it was aliens. It looked like the uh, uh, the scene in that's cut into the intro of the X-Files. Mm, yeah. A little abduction light. But then he, instead, instead of getting abducted, he just screams that he, first he says the light's blinding, then he can't see, but then he can see and the world is on fire. And then he starts having a seizure and... His sunglasses are broken, and we cut to those, and it really reminded me of Otto's glasses and Reverend Jesus's glasses when those were broken. I'm glad you picked up on that, too, because I definitely thought about that as well. It's the eye thing throughout the whole show. Yeah, if it's not Ollie asking about eyes, it's people in their glasses. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we've had eyes from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So meanwhile, Sally is trying to summon Mary, and I'm going to blame Sally for this. Uh, Sally induces a seizure in Mona. <laughs> Wait, no. That yeah, is not Sally's at all fault. what happens. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I'm with Josh on that one. I didn't get that one bit. Okay, so you guys tell me what happens in this scene. Well, Mona, before we even get to Sally, Mona is in her room and she hears the, the, the black noise, the children screams, and has a seizure. And then it cuts to Sally, who's holding a seance to try to contact Mary, and trying to figure out how Mary died. And she asks if it was a doctor that that hurt Mary. And Mary screams and a painting flies across the room. <laughs> Which, what was that painting? I don't know. I didn't catch uh, it. You didn't catch the painting? I paused it on it and stared at it for about three minutes. Because it's the worst looking horse I've ever <laughs> seen. Is the horse it's, a cop? <laughs> it's not the horse. It's just like a horse head. But it looks like the animators from the movie Hercules. Through this horse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to have to go back and see that now because I'm super into that. Yeah, because uh, they show it on the wall before it gets thrown across the room psychically. And the minute I saw it, I thought, what the fuck is that? Why is it in a hospital? But I wonder if it was Mary who caused it to go flying across the room or if it was Paul. Because Paul then immediately chimes in and starts mocking her uh, yeah. through her seance. I think it was Paul because Mary is not aggressive like that. That's true. And then Mona has a seizure and falls down yeah classic mona doing mona things i bet uh her character will really develop in the next couple episodes (laughs) (laughs) the last two yeah yeah Yeah. she'll be integral what i I love about the scene is that sally's holding this seance with this candle in the middle of room full of people and no (laughs) one blinks an eye like they're just like they don't give a fuck about sally and her seances right They were part of that one at the very beginning, and they were like, yeah, "Yeah, one and done. I'm good. This is just a regular thing at the hospital now. Yeah. So I hate to say this next part, but I'm kind of starting to like Brenda because she she appears to be going off the rails in the best way. We, We cut from this dramatic scene with Sally and Mona and Mary. And Brenda is in a laboratory in the hospital <laughs> and she is, she has a book and it's about making love potions and she's doing it. Can I she's, give you the title of the book? Cause yeah. I wrote it down. I also wrote it down. Make him want you with witchery, love potions, charms, and spells. Did you catch the author? No, I missed the author. Barlow Straker. <gasps> from Salem's Lot. Which are Lot? the two characters from Salem's okay. Lot. Oh, I, Salem's I missed Lot, so. that. <laughs> 
Also, just she's making a, a love potion and she's talking to her friend on the phone and her friend's name is Sabrina. Yep, I wrote <laughs> that. That was, that was fun. <laughs> yep. And this is, I, I guess, a, a pretty good plan, but the only problem is rather, you know, the recipe calls for eye of rat and Brenda uses eye of drugged up rat. <laughs> a rat addicted to cocaine. Yeah. Which we don't know yet at that time. Right. <laughs> No, I, I caught that the second time watching it. I was like, oh, that's why. I just <laughs> thought she was a really a good magician. <laughs> <laughs> so would that have worked perfectly if the rat wasn't addicted to cocaine, you think? Yeah. I mean, I want to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> For Brenda, like I'm starting to sympathize with her and I want to say yes. But we know Stegman loves nothing but himself. So that's true. Probably no potion is strong enough for him. So we cut from this sort of, um, you know, it's like romantic moment with Brenda to Draper's ample bosom. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I could have stayed my, there all day. <laughs> my note I made was boobs. <laughs> with like 12 O's because it stood there. Like that shot stayed for at least two or three seconds. Yeah, it did. Did I hallucinate that we literally opened on the boobs? Like we opened on them, right? It opens, or- it opens on her, like whatever she has in her lap and then it, hands up to her boobs and then stays on her boobs for a second and then it cuts away yeah okay uh so my memory of it is a little uh <laughs> <laughs> you only cared about the boobs in the shot so yeah. that's all you focus on but i mean she looks like she's making herself very cozy in hook's kingdom yeah she does good for her yeah my question was she's wearing lingerie that also matches her robe like was she was she wearing that under her clothes at work? Was that just what she was wearing to work that day? That's what all women wear to work under Is their it? clothes. Yeah, all of our our oh. under things are uh, really uncomfortable lingerie. Oh, I did not know. That's that. why we're always cranky. Secret of the secret to women. <laughs> Hook and Draper are talking about all of the seizures that have been happening around the hospital because there are a lot. And it's kind of weird, including Elmer's seizure. That is what actually did cause him and Lona to travel to Old Kingdom. And Hook starts talking about black noise. And then he pulls out a guitar case. And I was so excited. But we did not get a scene with Hook playing songs to Draper. (laughs) I I would have dug that. Now, uh, my question, Elmer's seizure, where they teleported to the morgue and had sex, because time is so hard to keep track of on the show. Would that qualify? Was that the day before? It can't be because... We had the three days of Jesus. Yeah. So it was four days ago? So that means Elmer had another seizure because Hook says that the cop is experiencing temporary blindness from an epileptic seizure. That yesterday, Rickman had one, Schwartzden had two, Mona had one, and Elmer had one. So there was a lot of seizures yeah. just the previous day. Schwartzden or whatever the... As I like to call him what Hook called him, the alcoholic seismologist. That's a great album title. <laughs> it really, thank you. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I was like, Stephen King is just naming my albums. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of a serenade, he takes out a tuning fork. And just as he's about to explain something that we actually get in another scene with Richard anyway, uh, he gets called away over the PA. And while this is happening, Peter is drawing the, the comic book version of Mary's death with her help. Yeah, I thought that was odd because he's been drawing his by his own self this whole time. Or has he? That's what I was wondering. Has she been helping him this whole time? We just haven't seen it? Or is she just helping him this once? I don't know, because the way this show is set up, it would be so reasonable for them to make that the case, but not always show the audience that she's helping him. I think the first time he draws Mary is him because... In that scene, he's watching he's watching the paper while he's doing it. All those times where he's just staring off into the distance and it's happening, mm-hmm. I think, is when Mary's doing it. And I wonder, too, if maybe he was doing it, but her hand on his hand was like a easier way to communicate her story than words. Like maybe she was just ghost putting those Yeah, like she's images projecting in images head. into his head. Yeah, yeah. Projecting, that's the word I was looking for. Better than ghost putting. Ghost pudding pudding sounds like a spooky Halloween dessert. (laughs) Note for later. We're going to market that come Halloween. Uh, What I love about this scene is that while that's happening, Ant Bear is just chilling the fuck out. He does that this entire episode. Like every time he's around, he's just like hanging out, taking in the sights and sounds. Yep. You know who's not chilling out at all in this scene? Richard could care less about what everybody's doing. He's still very concerned with letting everyone know that 
the the really big earthquake is coming and we need to get out of the hospital. Uh, last one wasn't the big one, apparently. I thought it was. But no, there's there's one that is going to kill everybody if they don't do something about it. The final earthquake. Mm-hmm. And Peter, suddenly we're in the Old Kingdom with Peter and he sees a room titled Pain Room, which is wicked cool. I thought that was so neat. Like you're in a hospital and yeah, it's like the creepy old ghosty hospital, but there's just a room called pain room. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been in a hospital like the kingdom. You have seances, you have pain rooms. I mean, we have pain clinics at our hospital, but no seances, (laughs) zero seances where I work. While Peter is down here, he finds what I presumed were the ashes of the children who died. And he's beginning to understand more about what happened on this property. Does he hallucinate inside of a hallucination? Because is, is him in, an, in the Old Kingdom, is that a hallucination? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's really traveling there okay. in spirit. Because we've seen <laughs> him, his ghost-looking self, leave his body and walk with Mary. And then they're in the Old Kingdom. Right. So then, okay, so then his ghost self hallucinates hands coming up through the ground. Yes. yes. <laughs> what were those hands? I'm assuming they, they were hands of the children from the mill since the hospital was built over okay. where they all died. That's not the way to get help. To break through the floor? Like like in a terrifying zombie way? No, because anybody <laughs> who sees that would run screaming, right? Yes. They wouldn't be like, oh my gosh, let me help you. They'd be like, it's the apocalypse. Zombies are here. <laughs> okay, scenario. You're under the ground. And there's somebody nearby who can help you. You can't just shoot your arms up zombie-like or else uh, you'll scare them. What is your plan? I would I would do the, like, you you sort of gently stick your hand up and you do the, the finger, the one finger, like, excuse me. Nope, that, I think that's scarier. <laughs> if I just, I think if I saw hands burst out, I would get over the shock faster, but if I just one hand, one finger pops up and just wiggles at me, <laughs> yeah, that'd be way more terrifying. Yeah, uh, I I disagree. I'm but I think with it's it. beckoning me to come towards it so it can pull me to hell. Jeez. <laughs> well, I don't know what else happens when the hands come out of the ground. Either you pull them out or they pull you in. Well, when they're politely just gesturing with a finger, they're not going to pull you in. They just need assistance. You need to what learn. What if it was like a good thumbs up? <laughs> yeah, see. But thumbs like, up says, thumbs I'm good. Up. You don't need oh, to help me. That's a good point. What if you throw the devil horns? <laughs> uh, that's then, fun. Then Everybody you might be, loves then that. Then you might be a demon. I think you just need to learn. do the wolf pack. Yes, wolf pack. Glad we sorted that out for Ooh. later. <laughs> I'm glad WCW <laughs> saved us all. Yes. I hope the 30% of people listening to this that get that reference really enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to Hook and another doctor there in the elevator and they stop at some floor and Elmer gets on and it is a very tense scene. And Dr. Hook starts telling the other doctor that he has a lead on the missing head and he does not include puns here, but to make up for last time when I didn't write them down, I made up my own puns that Hook could have used. (laughs) Are you guys Perfect. ready? Yes, okay. I'm so ready. This is my best Dr. Hook voice. Hi, Elmer. Are you heading somewhere? Oh, my God. There's a lot of headroom in this elevator, wouldn't you say? <laughs> and then when the elevator stops at the next floor, like his Hook and the other doctor were stepping out, he could have turned around and said, we'll go on ahead, Elmer. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> First well, of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> your Dr. Hook impression is spot on. Thank you. Sounds yeah. exactly like I him. practiced it in front of the mirror for hours. <laughs> Speaking of uh, repeating things in front of the mirror for hours, we cut to Stegman, who is doing his famous self affirmations. I love his little mantra. Yeah. And, and Brenda bursts in with his drug laced love coffee. And she does this just in time for his meeting with the lawyers. This episode, because of this, is so much fun. The fact that she is willing to use a love potion on Stegman, understandable, because we've established that that's what she wants from their relationship, him to be more affectionate. But if I was ever going to risk putting someone under a potion, I would not do it on the day of their deposition for malpractice. Right. Yeah, the timing seems bad. <laughs> and he takes a drink, and I love that he's like, ooh, it tastes like love. Yeah. And then he b- buries his head in her bosom. That's his. That's where he likes to rest his head. <laughs> uh, we also get a, another appearance. I feel like we missed this last episode, or it just doesn't seem like we've seen this character 
recently, Stegman's car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I've been thinking, what else can happen to this car? Because it's pretty much been done in. But no, the, uh, the people from the mission across the street are taking the hood and all of the doors to Stegman's car off. Which ruins what I had hoped would happen with this series, was that it would end with Stegman driving home and parking the car, getting out, and then his car would just blew his mobile, just break it. <laughs> Holy shit, that would have been great. That's what I was hoping this whole time that it would lead to. But now he has no doors and no hood, so he can't do that. <laughs> Otto and Bobby are watching this over the security cameras when Sally bursts in to accuse Bobby of watching porn at night. Seriously, that happened in that, this scene. Yes. <laughs> I, I was shocked. <laughs> and what's what's more alarming about that is she said, you were up watching that smut again because I wasn't there to turn it off. <laughs> Which means that on more than one occasion, yeah. she has had to walk into the room and physically turn off porn. No, 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 guys. I, I've already <laughs> unpacked this. It's worse than you think. Go on. If- so I assume that Bobby, like, maybe lived in the basement, kind of had his own bachelor pad down there or something, or his own sort of self-contained space, maybe even a bedroom, which would be very easy to lock or put a sock on the door or just say, you know, mom, you need to knock. You know, you establish boundaries and rules when you live together and you're adults. So that means Bobby's watching that shit in the living room that they share. <laughs> <laughs> See, I never assumed he had his own space. I assumed his bedroom was directly across the hall from his mom still. And he was just in the living room going for it. Uh, Smoking his pipe. Oh, man. Like great visuals. Like a classic pipe smoking Bobby. I got to move on from this. (laughs) (laughs) We continue the Mrs. Powell gag, which I love. And we're going to get a lot more of that in a little bit. Um, But for right now, we're going to come back to our sorcerer historian And he is getting all preachy, too. People who... So until the last episode, we didn't really get a lot of that. It didn't seem like this was an overly religious town or the characters that we had met would be able to quote Bible scripture. And so I'm wondering, is this because of what happened? Are people just like being influenced by that? Or are they more in tune with it? Because he's seriously acting weird. Well, he says that he doesn't want a computer because computers are a false god. That seems aggressive. He really hates technology. I mean, yeah. granted, he's an old man in 2004, and I get it. <laughs> but to quote the first commandment seems a bit much. Yeah, it seems a bit <laughs> aggressive. But I, I do think you might be right. I mean, I feel like if we lived in a town where certifiable miracles had just happened, I'd probably brush up on the Bible. Probably bust it open. And- yeah. It's a weird, gross moment with him, and I didn't like it. So a second later, when Dr. Gottreich and Paul show up, I was like, eh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really care that this dude was about to potentially die. Yeah, and he dies really hard. Dr. Gottreich gives him the world's worst lobotomy, and and we get this comedic moment where Paul's like, uh, hey, doctor, are you going to sterilize that? And he's like, what's the sterilization you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Dairy Public Radio, where nobody can do a German accent. <laughs> Let's talk about Stegman's meeting with the lawyers. Oh, this was so fucking cool. He's getting grilled on the Klingerman report and the end. Like, we've, we know we need a copy of this anesthesia report because that is what is going to blow this whole case wide open. Turns out that uh, they can't talk to the anesthesiologist because he's in Tanzania for Doctors Without Borders. Oh, like, um... My Canadian boyfriend from high school. Exactly. (laughs) And then suddenly they all have Baraka teeth and start laughing at him. (laughs) And it's amazing. Yeah, I honestly, for a minute there, I was like, Steg's actually handling himself himself pretty well. Yeah. He was... These questions. Like, he's he's staying calm. He's He's not being an asshole that we're used to. And then he just goes crazy again. And he sees cockroaches and rats, too, all over the table. But he still doesn't freak out. If everyone I was looking at sprouted Baraka teeth, first of all, I'd be like, fatality? Like, are we doing this? <laughs> but that would freak me out. And he's just like, of course, they're all vampires. They're all of horrible. <laughs> and that's what I assume he's thinking in his uh, head. Yeah, he's so used to it at this point that he's just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I think, is it, he's not quite insane yet, but he's really well on his way. And so yeah. I, I imagine that that, uh, 
could have gone way worse. Okay. Is he actually going crazy, or is this a side effect from the drugs that Mama has given him? <laughs> Gross. I, I yeah, think I it's the drugs. Yeah, I think it's it's I the drugs this time. But he has been progressively losing it yeah. more and more as the series has gone on. It's a combination for sure. Right. I love this episode because of the scene we're going to talk about next. Uh, we've kind of we've kind of discussed how the the tone of this show is all over the place, but in a charming way. I really dig it. Some episodes are very comedic and some are very scary. And this one is both. Yeah, it takes a hard left turn into Scooby-Doo. Yes! yes. Amazing. <laughs> okay, whichever one of you, uh, I would like you to do your best to paint our audience a word picture of what happens. So in the last episode, we know that there's these three people, Bobby, Elmer, and uh, what is what is her name? Brenda. Brenda, thank you. I just call her mama. They all have instructions to go to... Medical records. Medical records, thank you. And uh, because they, the person that works there is gone at this time. And so Elmer shows up and he's about to enter the room, but our Greek chorus walks by and says, ooh, be careful in there. <laughs> and so he hesitates and then Brenda comes walking down the stairs. He sees her, starts walking away, stops, turns around, they look at each other, and then they both dart behind Tom. <laughs> So to great. hide from each other. Yeah. It's called medical records chicken. Yeah. And I like they're playing and, peekaboo around the yeah. columns. Right. They're peering at each other. Yeah. Already, you know you're there. <laughs> and then Elmer gets in and Brenda tries to get in. She's like, let me in. And he just laughs at her and walks away. <laughs> and Bobby comes down too. I just wrote Bobby, like they're hiding. Bobby saunters up like a dumbass. It, just announcing his plan. He's like, yeah. I got to go here to get this. And oh, I yeah. also got to go to the library. Gee, maybe I'll do that first. And he walks off and then they're like, okay. And that's when Elmer goes for it. <laughs> I like that when he, when Elmer's on the other side of the door, he just pretends he can't hear her. Like yeah. the second soundproof and he just like waves to her and then walks <laughs> away. And then our Greek chorus shows up again because her mag card's not working. Abel asks for it, gets it, puts it up to his forehead like Johnny Carson, <laughs> and says, "This is not the right one," and, or something along those lines. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the key card to the elevator that Hook gives him in episode one. And then in unison, they say, "Did you not have mag cards at Boston General?" <laughs> Which is echoing Hook from the from the previous episode. Yeah, and then they just vanish. Yeah, are they ghosts? No. No, they're Are not ghosts. Sure? I'm sure they're not. I don't they think they They vanish and reappear twice in this scene. I just think they're magic. Okay, I'm <laughs> fine with that. I love them in either way. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're amazing. Elmer does the only smart and acceptable thing I've ever seen him do in this episode so far. He's actually making a copy of this copy instead of just taking the copy. And he has help from an unlikely source. <laughs> I was curious why Paul was helping. Yeah, so my question here is, Elmer found the Klingerman file, and presumably Paul took the copy of the anesthesiology report out of the file so that he could hand it, like he could slide it over the top of the stack and Elmer could find it. But wouldn't Elmer have found it if Paul had just left it in the file? Paul just wants to feel included. I guess. (laughs) Paul hands him something else interesting, too, in the scene. Holy shit. So after he copies it and he goes to put it back, Paul slides a file that says traff on it. Elmer picks it up and it has a stamp that says deceased on it. And he opens it up and there is a medical report and a photo of him on an autopsy table looking like an old man. And the the medical file says that he has been diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which for those of you who don't know, most often happens in the long bones in your arms and legs. And even though it can occur in any bones, and it is very rare, 1% of adults have it. And it is a cancer that is completely unresponsive to radiation. Jeez. And that's what the autopsy gives as uh, as his like cause of death. And his makeup's all done up like an old man. So is this file his future? I don't know. Yes? That's what I was wondering, too. That I think that was like future old man Elmer. I'm going to say yes. So many weird things have happened, and we've dealt with time travel, so it's either his future or the future that would have happened if that guy hadn't caught the ball for some reason. <laughs> I don't think catching a pop fly cures cancer. Butterfly effect. 
<laughs> if I just say you the can't word. Just, no, you can't just say <laughs> butterfly effect and it fixes everything. Yeah. So we all agree. Great. So Elmer, <laughs> Elmer understandably runs out of the room screaming. And we also get another comedic scene where Bobby stumbles yeah. upon the sorcerer historian and he is running screaming. So like all these people are just scattering. And you're right, Steve, it is very Scooby-Doo and it's so much fun. <laughs> It's, I love this. It's like 15 minutes of Scooby-Doo in the middle of a Stephen King TV right. series. Bobby does take the time to grab the folders on the desk, though. So he did his job. Um, and we also get this cool shot of the lobotomy. It, Dr. Gottwright just shoved it through the guy's eye and down out of his cheek. It was brutal. Yeah. I mean, you saw the way he was winding up. He was not aiming very carefully. No. But one of the coke rats is there and eating his ear. Yeah. Oh. That's so gross. We are back with a horse cop and (laughs) we're in the OR. They're doing brain surgery. And this guy. Is this a real thing that they do? Yeah. Neuromapping. Really? Like Mm -hmm. while a person is at least semi-conscious? Yeah. You have to do it while they're conscious because depending on if you like nick a part of the brain, you need to know. See, this is perfect because my note was, Josh, talk about it. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Well, I did. (laughs) <laughs> My note was, ask Josh if this is real. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Because as you're messing around in the brain, you need to be able to ask somebody or have them be able to tell you, oh, whatever you just did, now I can't see. <laughs> and then they can be like, oh, let's not cut that. Is there one where they could have like pressed on it and he would have become a horse cop? <laughs> I don't know how many trans... Well, <laughs> if you knew exactly where to hit the brain, you could convince him he was a horse cop. Missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) This scene is already cool, but it gets even cooler because Stegman, uh, we don't know the the result of his meeting when he starts hallucinating, but he comes into the surgery room and he is still very much high. And I, (laughs) I think this is the first time I had to look away. Yeah, me too. Oh, really? Yeah. Me, you, and Dr. Hook all had to look away at this point. <laughs> so what happens in this scene when Stegman comes in to do his thing? He comes in and he says something about, like, the brain's not open enough. So he grabs this tool and just starts sawing at the bone. And there's smoke flying out. And Dr. Hook looks away. And I looked away. Both times I watched this episode, I had to look away. <laughs> it was hard to watch. It yeah. looked It looked obscene. Cutting open a human skull's big deal. But it, I like, is that how you just do it? You're just like, boom, here's the tool, doing it, it all willy nilly. <laughs> the skull was already open. You already see the brain. He's at the edge of the skull and just digging in to He's make like it even more off open. Bits. <laughs> it's yeah. like he just needs to have control over something. Like, oh, you guys already opened it. Well, t- not good enough. <laughs> I, I don't know. It gets worse though. Yes, it does because he starts hallucinating maggots and ants. Oh. In the brain. It's so, I hate maggot things. It's so, so <laughs> gross. Don't. And he runs out of there screaming and he always runs out of surgery early, but this time, <laughs> not for sexy reasons. It's because maggots are in this guy's brain. So I thought that was a hallucination, but then Ant Bear comes trotting up and he's like, ooh, ants. So there really are ants and maggots in his brain? Or are they ghost ants they're, and maggots? They're, they're psychic ants. That's not what Ant Bear says. That's true. Ant Bear says, <laughs> absolutely delicious. Uh, Which is the best catchphrase. It is a dynamite catchphrase. He's going that. up in the top. He said that in episode one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that is, it's a, a weird, again, it's those weird things with this show where you can imagine, oh, Stegman's seeing it, so it must be a hallucination from the love potion. And then the fact that Antibus interacts with it, then you're like, wait, no, what is real? Right? What is real? What isn't? Yeah, but then Hook and Gupta don't see it. Yeah, they don't see right. it at all. Well, then it, uh, Richard has ants crawling all over his feet. So those must be real. I, I like the psychic ant thing. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I guess that's better than ghost ants. Well, okay. Stay with me on this. All right. This might it might be nothing. So when Antibus was hurt and Peter healed him and Mary was telling him about Antibus, he was talking about that like he he cures and he kills and he feeds off of sickness. So are those ants a manifestation of the sickness he eats? 
Because that yes. well, obviously that cop has a very sick brain. I would say yes, because my second time watching this episode, I noticed that the maggots are gone when Aunt Bear sees it. And oh. the ants actually look a little different. Oh, I didn't notice that. Me neither. Man, so I, I so think cool. Aunt Bear's seeing different ants than Steg was seeing. Yeah. He's seeing tasty ants. <laughs> Absolutely delicious ants. <laughs> we get a brief scene with Frankie where he finds his way to Dr. Gottwright's. And he's probably, I'm assuming, the first and only willing patient to sit on his table. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. You, Steve, you, you look like you have something you want to say about just, this scene. I just love that throughout this whole episode, it just cuts to Frankie just running around, just Frankie's running around that he's character. looking in lockers. He's trying to find his head and he's just, it looks like he's having the time of his life <laughs> searching for his head. Is what they end up doing to Frankie related to the sorcerer historian? Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Well, it's his computer. So kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're trying to give Frankie a new head, which seems like a very kind thing to do. I'm sort of surprised. Which I also wanted to point out. Did you notice that Gotrick also calls it a yeah. nut? And that's what Stegman calls it. Well, we got to get you a new nut. Yeah. Oof. Frankie's body rejects the computer, (laughs) I guess. I don't really know what happened. Uh, I'm hoping he becomes like opposite RoboCop. His whole body is human. (laughs) (laughs) And he just has a computer head. He's just got a computer head. What a computer face. What a bold decision. I would support that 100%. And throughout this guy, is so set on having this work. He's so into it. And Paul is just like, yeah, whatever, man. (laughs) I feel like his energy is so much in the way of, uh, I guess if he's torturing someone else, he's not torturing me. So do you, buddy. Yeah, he seems really chill. He's chill because he doesn't have the brain power to commit to any of this. He does say his mind is 50% of his mind is elsewhere. And I don't know if he meant literally or metaphorically. Oh, it could be either. He (laughs) meant literally. Yeah. And we'll, oh God, we'll get to, I'm so excited to talk about that scene. (laughs) Before we get to that, uh, we have, oh my gosh, the trifecta. I love this. Hook, Stegman, and James all together. And Hook and Stegman are fighting over the paper that Draper wrote. James couldn't give less of a shit about (laughs) anything in his life. He's, so they're sitting, you know, side by side in chairs in front of his desk. And the whole time they're very serious and they're talking to him about this. And he's got this clicker and there's a, uh, like a projection behind them and he's just sort of looking over them trying desperately to get his morning air powerpoint rolling <laughs> and I, I did write down what the uh the screen says when things don't seem fair take a deep breath of fresh morning air <laughs> he's so Great. proud of it he's so proud of it that's like all he wants to talk about in the scene that and the coke rats yes yeah. <laughs> uh because janice mcmanus yeah. uh, said that all of the rats have to be exterminated because they're they got out during the earthquake. Question for you guys. When he's talking about the drugged up rats and Stegman is trying to explain, you know, why they need to protect the rats and the purpose of the study. Does it seem like Stegman had absolutely nothing to do with the study? Like he could barely spit out what was going on or A was little, he just high? I only say that because I didn't even get the explanation <laughs> of what was going on. Are you implying that maybe this research is a lot like the Draper situation and it's not actually his and he's planning on finishing it and taking credit? I'm 100% implying that. I can see that, but here's why I disagree. Because he is so adamant about this being his work and that he brought it with him from Boston General and destroying it will destroy all of this time he spent working on it. So I think that... It is his, which is also why I think it's bad. And it's a dumb study because it's Stegman's. But uh, I I think that the reason he can't eloquently talk about it is because uh, he's still high as balls. (laughs) That makes sense. Oh, God. Okay. Sorry, I just saw what the next thing was. (laughs) (sighs) Elmer. Elmer's still trying to woo Lona. And he tells her he loves her. And he says, I love your thoughts. And this is so gross. He says it with such sincerity. I hate admitting (laughs) that. And she looks touched. Was it just me? I, yeah. But she looks touched, not like he's an equal sexual partner, but like he is a child. Like, oh, you little sweetie. (laughs) Aw, kiddo. I'm I'm having such a hard time getting a read on their relationship now ever since. I yeah, I don't know how to feel about it or what to th- if she's into it and he's into it, I could fine. I don't care. But I think she's slowly starting to come around to it. 
which man just sends the wrong message. Just, yeah. Shouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Stay away from this dude. He's yeah. just, he's creepy as hell. <laughs> you guys out there, if a woman rejects you, just have a seizure, drag her into a ghost kingdom and make her fuck you. That's it. Yeah, that's all you have to do. That's all it takes. That's how I got married. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to message Devin real quick. <laughs> we And we find out that this machine that Lona has been using is the magnetoencephalophic fuck. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had yep. it. I was so proud. I'm like, he, as he I was it, saying the word. I was going to try to write it down, but then I thought, I'll let someone else try to say that. <laughs> you were almost there. I know. <laughs> Give it one more shot. Uh, <laughs> The magneto encephalograph. Fuck. <laughs> Meg. It's called yeah, Meg. The Meg. Yes. <laughs> it's it, it's the dream cannon. Yeah. We cut from one sexy scene to another when we are on the elevator with Hook and Draper, and they are getting it in. Good for them. Oh yeah. Okay. It is this like. If you were Hooker Draper, would this be the best day at work? You, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, every time I get into an elevator, I just go to another floor. Nothing like this ever happens. Am I riding <laughs> elevators wrong? You might be. Okay. I mean, what I'd love is that they just don't care. Like, we've seen in previous episodes that Otto has security footage. <laughs> oh, that's right? true. And they just don't give a fuck. Oh, just like, we're just going to go for it. I don't even think they hit the stop button, do they? Is no, it the no. Forks? it's yeah. still just going. Yeah, still going. My favorite moment of this entire scene, though, was when Hook says to Draper, "I have to show you. I want to show you something." And her eyes light up like it's Christmas because she thinks he's talking about his penis. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, "Well, actually, Schwartzman has something to show you." And then she goes, "Oh." And then she's thinking, "All right, two are better than one. Let's do this thing." <laughs> Is this where we find out that uh, that the cop has is recovering from his surgery and he wants to be called Paul now instead of Saul? Yeah, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. Especially when Paul said, half my mind is somewhere else. Is it yeah. in Horse Cop? So every time they've cut, so even from the beginning of this episode and when, when he was quoting scripture, I did not care at all about this cop character. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just let him die. But then when Hook was like, he wants to be called Paul, not Saul. I was like, oh, I see what's going on. I'm fine with this. Which this I think is, Paul is trying to take human form. And that's what I wanted with, with Rolf. Yeah. With the, our yeah. psycho, our psycho arsonist. I was like, Oh, what if Paul gets to take over his body? And now he's got this beefy muscular psychopath. Which would have been way cooler than a cop. Yeah. Is it weird that I miss Rolf? <laughs> hey man, psychopathic arsonist, brutal, a-hole cop, different cars, same lane. So he's, <laughs> He's got his he's he's still on his way. But yeah, I do kind of miss the tension of Rolf. He that yeah. character and that actor just did a great job being the perfect amount of unsettling and creepy and it made you feel like something really bad was going to end up happening like okay, it's going to be the next episode, who knows what's going to happen. I don't feel anything about this cop. Like you said Steve, like I don't He's just some dude that beat up a whole bunch of peaceful protesters. Not even protesters. People just gathered peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're going to cut back to Brenda and Stegman. Brenda is bringing him the report. Unfortunately, she doesn't know that Elmer made a copy. And we keep cutting from, you know, Mama and Stegman to Hook and Draper in the elevator. I wrote that my note was, they're all just kissing. And so I, my note was, what if we kissed in a haunted hospital built on top of the ashes of an old hospital built on top of the ashes of an old mill? <laughs> that was on the uh on the on like plotting board for writing the script yeah. for this what if that was the only place you could kiss <laughs> i guess you, those elevators why, would be more full that's why hook lives there because he'd never get laid otherwise there you go did you guys catch that he called his apartment his kingdom yeah so we have so we have Old Kingdom, New Kingdom, and Hook's Kingdom. Which, I mean, we had an episode titled that, but I didn't know that was his word for it. <laughs> I would call it that. That place, that apartment is dope as hell. This is our studio kingdom. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> Hook and Draper go to see Richard, who has about a, ton, a dozen tuning forks set up, and he's explaining black noise. And he's trying to tell them what's causing the earthquakes. And it's like infrasound, but it's different. And it could be, it could also be the cause of all the seizures and, and that kind of thing. And I thought that was really an, an interesting explanation. 
This guy's doing his job beautifully, by the way. Yeah, he is. He's the only one doing his job. Him and James, who's just really trying yeah. to get across morning. <laughs> only two actually doing their jobs around here. That's true. He explains that people are like the tuning forks. So they are set. There are some people, the sleepers, like Elmer and Abel and Krista, who are set to the frequency of this black noise. And that is why they're having the seizures. And in the middle of this conversation, okay, this is weird. Hook turns to Draper and he's like, hey... I have a present for you. He hands her the report and they kiss right in front of this dude. And I'm all for doctors having, you know, relationships just like the rest of us. But I don't want two doctors to come into my room and start making out in front of me. Like, why didn't While you're he... explaining a scientific experiment? Yeah. Why yeah. didn't we have this piece in the elevator or after he explained it? It was it was so intrusive just in the middle of this scene. But- they're just horny as fuck. Yeah, it was, just... it was to see if, like, it was to gauge Schwartzton's level of interest of, like... Interest you, you in, in a three-way? Yeah. Oh. That's why he had something to show her. But instead, they start a love quake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, something you just said made me think more to something that Steve said about Abel and Krista maybe being ghosts. They should have had seizures because they are on that sensitive right. wavelength. But and according to... Anything we've seen or heard, not a single thing has gone wrong with them. Yeah, that's because true. Because they're ghosts. Oh, man. Maybe. Or they're magic. Or I don't even care. They're just, <laughs> they could just be non-existent and just like part of the story. I just love them. And I want a I, whole episode of them. Me too. That's all I want. Maybe they're psychic energy, like the ants. Ooh. I'm fine with that. Yeah. So because we're getting an earthquake, Elmer must have also had a seizure because he and Lona are back in Old Kingdom, and they're getting nasty. And Elmer has a seizure, and then he has the ability to bring Lona with him into Old Kingdom. I don't know if he picks that, but he, I assume, is the one who picks what she's wearing because she's wearing, like, a little black dress, and she's all made up. And I guess that's better than being naked, which is what she was last time. But did he, is he, like, trying to be romantic? <laughs> but she even says, why did you pick this place? So he has the ability to pick where they go. When he thinks about it, I guess, yeah. But does he know about Old Kingdom? I mean, he's I been remember. he's been down there. He has okay. But I yeah, that it also seems like uh, he, he has an explanation saying that like sex and death are tied together intrinsically in your brain, and that's why like he's getting really defensive. I just Super think creepy. that Elmer is interested in dead bodies a little too much. Ooh, well, yeah, he did uh, cut off Frankie's head. That's true, and we only know he cut off one head. I still think. Okay, whatever. That there might be a missing penis hopping around the old kingdom? Yes, those are just scenes that they cut because TV audiences couldn't deal with it. If you ever see something moving in the screen, you're like, is that a caterpillar? No. (laughs) It's like an Easter egg. (laughs) We've missed so many little penises in scenes. (laughs) Oh, if nothing else has inspired me to rewatch the entire series, (laughs) that would do it. If you told me there were hidden severed penises in every episode so elmer and lona decide the only thing that is left to them to do is to get it on again that is how we end this which too bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah it ends with the three biggest relationships in our story all being together and only one of them is seems completely consensual and mostly healthy (laughs) (laughs) So Steve, uh, I'd say two, maybe. I mean, Stegman and Brenda's pretty Stegman one-sided. Brenda, yeah, but it's pretty consensual. But it is very he, consensual. He is it? drugging him to make him love her. <laughs> that is true. Thank you. That the, she roofied yeah. him. Yeah, she's witch-roofing him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, <laughs> I like to ask our guests at the end uh, what their predictions for the next episode are. See, that's why this episode kind of felt like a filler episode a little bit, which I thought was weird with only two episodes left after this. I don't think the big one that Schwartzman predicts is coming until the very last episode, but there's going to be more tremors. Abel and Krista are going to ghost or psychic themselves around and make jokes (laughs) and laugh at Stegman. Hook is finally going to lose his virginity to Draper. (laughs) Elmer is just going to be creepy. Like always. Solid. Steve, what, uh, since you're just joining us this late in the game, what have, what have your thoughts been about the series as a whole? Oh my gosh. I don't want to give my full thoughts right now because there's a lot, but there's just a few things that I, I've, I've picked up on that 
either I thought were cool or bothered me about the show. I'm a big fan of fun facts and fun trivia that means nothing to anyone <laughs> except for maybe me. And maybe you guys would enjoy this. You guys talked on the earlier episodes about how much you loved the theme song. Adam Schlesinger wrote the theme song and then also did the Red, Red Dragon song. Oh, oh wait, yes, was written by Adam Schlesinger what? from Fountains of Wayne. That's crazy. I did not know that. Those yeah. are two very different sounding yeah, they songs. Are. They very much are. Uh, he, I don't think he performed any of it, but I know he wrote it. The thing that drives me crazy about this show is that they get me excited and let me down in the smallest ways possible. <laughs> twice, twice now they've introduced characters that I thought, oh, I love this actor. This is going to be really cool. The first one was the girl with the dragon tattoo. Evangeline Lilly. Evangeline yeah. Lilly, yeah. I was like, oh, hell yeah, she's going to be in the show. I love it. And then literally 30 seconds later, she's dead. <laughs> and then in the baseball episode... Dick Smothers shows up, who is one half of the Smothers Brothers, <laughs> the old comedy duo. I love those guys. I was like, heck yeah, Dick Smothers is in the show. Where did he show he, up? He's hanging out with Otto and uh, Bobby, listening I, to the game. Oh, that's who that he's is. He's at the beginning, and then he's at the end, and then oh he never God. shows up again. I was just angry about it. Because <laughs> I love the Smothers Brothers. But yeah, that's, that's about it for, I mean... I have a lot of thoughts about this show. Well, I'm glad you've taken the time to join us uh, while we're diving into it. It's been great having you. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we cover episode 12, Shoulda Stood in Bed. For CM Alexander and Steve Jennings, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, life and dreams are pages from the same book. Reading them in order is living. Skimming through them is dreaming. Hey everyone, Sam Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Hospital Part 11. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can find us on social media at Dairy Public Radio or send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. We continue to ask that you check out some other causes that really need funding like Black Lives Matter, Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Black, the official George Floyd Memorial Fund, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and many, many others. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.